Hello and welcome back to the Floorcast episode 8. I'm not going to do the usual ramble at the beginning because I can't be bothered and it's too long. I need to change it. I think it was really cool for the first two or three episodes, being able to say it word for word like Ron Burgundy felt very good. As I can see on my screen right now, Corwin is yawning because the intro is rambling on. Before we get into it, just wanted to say thoughts and prayers from the Floorcast to everyone in Ukraine and everyone embroiled in that kind of geopolitical situation because the scenes are frightening and we just wanted to kind of voice our support for everyone who is going through a very, very difficult time up there at the moment in the world. But on with the podcast, I'm joined by two of the three C's. First and foremost, Corwin, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, Pat. How are you doing today? Good morning. I'm very well. Very well. Good morning or good evening for me, even though I do have a, a an English breakfast here in my hand. I'm never ever going to do an introduction on myself, am I? I think we'll get to like a hun- episode 100 and then we'll like turn the mic on pet and we'll do like an interview <laughs> on me. I think 100's pretty reasonable to for you to finally give an intro. Yeah. Yeah. For now, I can be very mysterious. We're also joined by Curtis. How are you, sir? I'm doing very good. It's uh, a new P2E week. New, new week, new P2E. I'm excited. Oh man, it's um, it's definitely twenty twenty two has been the year for P two E, hasn't it? Like I, I am scared but also excited by it, and I'll explain what I mean. Every single week, there seems to be like a new game that people are excited about, and I'm like, okay, bubble territory. And then at the same time, and again, I don't hold a treeverse plot, for example, but I'm kind of excited to see that game that's being built by Lupify and that team that's been in production for like almost a year now, I suppose, and is going to be launching at some point this year. There's also, you know, stuff like Illuvium. There's other like AAA rated games that are going to be coming out as a former big FIFA gamer. There's a game called Goals, which is going to be like P2E soccer, like a proper arcade game, like proper playable game. So there's loads of really interesting games coming out. And then there's a load of games that are kind of like you're more kind of strategy based text based uh staking based that are coming out that i think are, are bordering on like too hypey bordering on bubbly but nonetheless one that floor had a great partnership with and a very another very very successful large scale partnership was uh shadow quest and um, we talked about it briefly on the podcast the last couple of weeks but curtis since then uh since the podcast that you were on two weeks ago they've released a full-on white paper we've had the mint we've had the reveal some really good volume i think i saw like 250 trades yesterday when i woke up this morning 9 a.m uk time there was about already about 80 or 90 so uh why don't you give like a a, a very brief overview of what this game is how it works and then we can go from there yeah happy to i'll try and keep it short so i don't rehash what we did uh two episodes ago so shadow quest is like you said a new floor partnership um this is the second that floor is done the first one was creeps which obviously went very well so the floor community in general is uh pretty bullish on these partnerships and so everyone has really gone into this one it is a staking p2e game where you're staking your warriors it's got a lot of elements from wolf game and some other uh, games out there. So there is this race called the Samsar, which are 10% of the collection that can steal other mints. But then the bulk of the NFTs are actually just warriors that can either go to training or to battle. And doing those two actions earns you honor, which is a token for in-game economy. And they're bringing a lot of RPG, Diablo, Souls type 
elements to this game where uh, you'll be able to buy armor and potions, unlock various other staking locations through quests. The one thing I really like about... Well, there's a couple things I like. The tokenomics look really strong, where they have a set supply and it's just going to recirculate. So any any honor spent in the game is just going to go back into the pool and be redistributed to people. And the other thing is that um, they're being very... Everything is a puzzle with the team. They're not telling us exactly how to do things. So we need certain drops like glory and shards to unlock certain staking locations, but they're not telling us how to do it. They're just giving us little hints and we're going to have to figure it out. And because part of this game is off chain, we just can't go read the contract and see like, how do you get glory? How do you get shards? Um, so that, that's pretty interesting. And then on the technical side, um, they've released a brand new Shadow ERC721 contract, which is insanely gas optimized. The staking is also super gas optimized. So I think when I staked my 10 warriors, I think I paid like $5. It, it felt like I was playing Bridge World on Arbitrum. Like it, it was stupid, the gas fees. So yeah, super excited about that. And they've got a bunch of new drops coming out this week. So the game's going to really start getting going here. Corwin, excited? You max minted? Yes, I did max mint. I'm super excited for this game. I've spent literally most of the weekend with Curtis over in the Sunday Drip Discord, <laughs> like theory crafting and or game theory trying to figure everything out seeing what's going on we were all there for a reveal and we were sniping some samsars off the floor which is awesome but i'm i'm pretty excited initially i did sell three off to get my money back from the mint and then i ended up fomoing into some samsars uh because i only got uh one samsar off of the the mint i got one as well um and i think i got a fairly high ranked normal one as well so got quite lucky that's great i think someone in the floor discord was like oh i'm into 10 and eight of them were samsars i'm like what how does that even happen no way that's a lie surely not not true surely that's bullshit um if it is fair play you've made a lot of money i did see someone in shiny actually they're in shiny and floor they got a perfect samsar which uh so for those listening um all these warriors and samsar have uh various stats and the max is 26, as far as we can see right now. Someone got a Samsar with all 26. And there's only one of those in the game. And so when he posted it in floor, I was like, he's like, hey, is this any good? Like, hey, I'm going to DM you and see if you want to trade real quick. I was willing to give him a, a bunch of ETH and like two Samsars for it. Because <laughs> it wasn't particularly, it didn't look good. But I, uh, that's one thing that's kind of going on right now is there are some of these that look really cool. Um, they've got like crazy armor and weapons and and crazy backgrounds, but their stats are terrible. So lots of people are, are trading on that, and I am purely looking at the stats. So I will give away the coolest looking warrior if it's got if I can get one for more stats. So obviously I was like, hey, you willing to trade? And then he's like, no, I, I think I, I know what I'm sitting on, so I'm not gonna trade it at all. I was like, God damn it, I really wanted that. How many Samsars are you up to right now, Curtis? I have seven. I just saw a Samsar go for 1.4. Yeah, the... And it's got like it's almost 25 health and 25 26 26 that's pretty good so it looks like people are shopping yeah the, the interesting thing going on here is we don't so everything is speculation and it's kind of fun uh, in a way it's like rpgs and other games that where you just jump in you've got to explore you don't quite know how the mechanics work we know that stats play a role in how much you yield. It also plays a role in how much of a share of the Samsar get. Because uh, when you're in the battlefield, the warriors drop honor if they get defeated or if they flee. And the Samsar, depending on how high your stats are, will get a bigger share of that. 
but we're not quite sure how the battle works yet. So we don't know, like, do you need, is someone with really bad stats but high health gonna do well? Or is it strength? Or is it magic? Or is it, like, so we have no clue. So we're all just speculating at this point and we're all gonna have to go through like a week or two of really discovering what, how can we min-max these to figure out the yield? And then they could drop like crazy things on us. Like they could introduce a staking location where it's like very heavily skewed towards magic. So if you dropped everyone who is low on magic, now you've got to go on secondary or do something to figure out how to get more magic uh, users. It's it's pretty interesting how the, they've got so many, because of the, the world they've based it in, they've just got, they basically pull from any sort of D&D, any sort of Diablo, Souls, like any of those sorts of games, any of those sorts of ideas, they can just pull in and all fit right in with Shadow Quest. So uh, I've got a question for you, Curtis, because I asked a friend of mine who I actually referred to buy a uh, floor token, and he, I think he max-minted Shadow Quest, so I think it was probably worthwhile for him. He then basically, I was like, how did it go? Like, did you min? And he came back with me like, oh yeah, like this is interesting, and this is interesting about like really in-depth on the game. So people are really clearly like, you know, researching the game. Do you want to give us a kind of overview on how the actual game works in terms of some of the intricate details as well? Just because it'd be great to hear from from you, like I guess, like how you think it's going to go, like what some of the strategic things you can do are, are going to be, etc., all that kind of stuff, uh, and some general things to watch out for. I'll do I'll do a brief uh, overview, and then maybe I'll throw it over to Corin because he's deep into this world too. So right now, the only thing we have available is the training grounds, which is the first thing you can stake in. That lets you earn three thousand honor per day and that's flat there's no risk you just stake your warriors and the samsar and that's that's all there is what's coming out probably today is the battlefield and that gets more interesting because the warriors are um, in there you can earn up to a thousand honor per hour but that depends on your stats and that's what we we really don't know how the stats are going to play into that uh, we also don't know how low your honor yield could get. Because if it gets below, say, like 125, then that's the exact same as what you get in the training ground. So maybe you don't even bother. At, in the battlefield, warriors can flee, where they drop 20% of their honor they earned, or they can fight the Samsar, which you have roughly a 50% chance of winning that battle, and you get double or nothing. So you have the chance to lose everything you yielded, or you can double what you yielded. And that's pretty much all we have in terms of concrete. We know there's two other staking locations that they have teased that they're going to be opening up. There's going to be um, something called the dojo where you get to mint more warriors. So there's 18,000 additional NFTs available that you mint with honor. And as you mint them, the price of them increases. Uh, and then there's also going to be an uh, emporium where you get to buy and an armory. So you're going to be able to buy potions, armor, weapons, and we're not quite sure what they're, those are going to do, but that I, I think they'll boost stats in some way or give you some sort of bonuses. And then from there, they can, they've can they got so many ideas. Uh, one thing the founders are, are really good at is taking community suggestions. And they've already said that they've, they're starting to work on some of the community suggestions, working them into the game. So that's that's pretty cool. And yeah, they could, they're starting off simple, but they're going to layer, what they want to do is like layer uh, complexity on top of this. So the meta could get pretty intense pretty quickly here. Yeah. And with them taking community suggestions constantly, like the battlefield could look way different next week than it is today. I know they were kind of talking on their Twitter spaces yesterday about the idea of having like fatigue in the battlefield. Like maybe you lose stats or after your warriors are there for a long period of time and then you have to go regenerate them in the training ground. So it feels like the game is moving on the fly right now and the devs are just like taking suggestions, coding on the fly. I don't know how that's going to look long term, but I think short term is kind of working for them in their favor. So 
I, I've got a question here from me. Are we more bullish on games like this that have their own native token? Or are we bullish on games that are built using a token like Magic, whereby the Magic ecosystem incentivizes them to to build the game? I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Curtis, because I've been kind of wrestling with this walled gardens, closed system versus open system. And in Web3, I think there's definite pros to con, pros and cons to both, and then also pros and cons to having like hybrid models. But in your, from your perspective, like what excites you more a a game that has a a, its own token or a game that is built on top of a token that can be used on a variety of other games yeah that is a crazy big question um i've got exposure to magic a little bit just because shiny is so big into magic and i just had to go i like the fomo is too strong i just had to had to do it um yeah it's there are trade-offs to both i'm not as educated in the magic world as I'd like to be, and that's something I hope to fix coming up as more games come out. But there's a high degree of coordination you need to keep the Magic ecosystem viable for all those games. Because I know there's lots of treasures and stuff you can get from different games that have interplay. But if one game introduces something that is just game-breaking, you could maybe break the ecosystem, which is really interesting. But I know there's like the Treasure DAO, which is kind of controlling things. So if you have the coordination, you can do it. Yeah, I guess we'll see. We haven't had enough time to observe what Magic is doing versus what like Lumi and Honor are doing to see like which one works. What would be very interesting is to see how Honor can evolve into maybe getting integrated into, or if any other P2E game that isn't um, Magic can do the same thing where right now it's Shadow Quest. Is there another game that can spin out that also uses Honor? Or is there another game that can spin out and start using Lumi in interesting ways? I know there's a Loveless Mint coming up soon for that is going to be in Lumi uh, with Creeps. So they're starting to bridge out a little bit too. So it'll be interesting to see, is it this crazy, like more coordinated DAO controlling magic? Is that going to be um, successful? Or is it one game starts with a token and then maybe they spawn off and make an ecosystem more from the ground up? Such a good point. What helps keep P2E... What helps keep P2E's value, Curtis, in your opinion? Do you think like it's the community that just wants to work together to build something, or is it just people just want money and want to just take out automatically? Like what how like for example, how can honor keep its value high once it comes out? Do you think maybe like a special way to unlock the bank that takes time? So people don't have mass liquidation. Like, what's your opinions on that? Yeah, and this is something I keep trying to dive deep into. The there's only a couple really deep articles on this, and so there's not a lot of literature. There's not a lot of stuff out there yet. Um, the lesson I hope Shadow Quest and other games learn from Creeps is that you really need a lot of places to spend your in-game token. Otherwise, it's just going to take. It's just going to get into ERC twenty, and then. Like if that's the only way they can uh, you can earn, then that's that's what people are going to do. Shadow Quest, they're on the right track, I think, where we've got things like weapons and armor and potions. You've got the Gen One mint that's going to last weeks at least because we're going to need a billion honor to actually mint that out. And then that's just like what we know now. There's probably so many other things you could do to keep honor in the system. So I think play to earn has to become play to progress almost. And there's a really great article that's, I think it's a 30 minute read called play to progress. So you have the, the token should be a way to progress through the game, get level up your stats, make things more valuable. 
And that should be like the, the driver for the token, not so much the ERC-20 value of it um, in the LP. And then that's, that's kind of my thesis right now is provide enough ways to upgrade in the game and people won't be as tempted to cash out. And also don't do it too soon. One thing I'm seeing in a lot of discords where a P2E game starts up, they may not have even minted yet. And people are like, hey, how much is the token? Where, where's the LP? Guys, we haven't even minted yet. <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, I think that's the, the wrong attitude to have. Uh, because those are the people that are going to come in and immediately cash out. And you really kind of want the community to be in there and people to level up and play the game. And I think at the end of the day, if you make a game that's fun, then people are going to want to play the game. They're not just going to be in it to stake, idly collect a token, then cash out. And I think the Shadow Quest team has shown hints that that's going to be the case, where there's lots of puzzles, there's lots of lore, there are going to be quests that unlock things, there's going to be a lot of hidden stuff that you're going to have to discover, kind of like point-and-click game or like a mud game. So yeah, there's potential that people could get quite deep into the game. And so, yeah, that becomes its own kind of reward is, yeah, I've got this valuable NFT or collection of NFTs. This is actually fun to play. I'm not sure if you've seen, but... Uh, I think that last bit, fun to play, is probably the most important bit, isn't it? Uh, that's a pretty important bit. Also, you, you did mention a little bit about community there, Curtis. I'm not sure if you've seen, but Chris Mattern put out a um, tweet or some... NFT Haler actually put it out. Chris Mattern retweeted it. But it shows like what the floor Gen 3 members are holding currently. And Shadow Quest is coming in at 33%. That's insane. Yeah, that is a really cool... I don't know if that's like a product that they have or they just release reports. I, it'd be really cool to see what they do with other communities. But I think that is the creeps effect. That is people who have joined floor since creeps and missed creeps. And they're like, yeah, we're not missing another potential part, like breakout like that. Uh, so yeah, I, I think people slept on creeps the first time. Like if you're in floor and you slept on it, you feel bad. If you just joined floor, you're like, hey, I'm, like creeps is the other example of you guys doing this level of partnership. I'm definitely going to get on board. So I know a lot of people maximated that. And then we tried to get into public, which sold out in under a minute. So it, it, yeah, it's pretty crazy the demand that was generated for Shadow Quest there. I mean, look, floor, floor energy is real, right? And uh, I think it will continue to be so. But um, yeah, I think I think you made a really good point earlier, Curtis, about like starting out with your native token and then branching out and maybe people building other games using that or the opposite, which is start with a token, um, a DAO that then incent creates incentive structures for, for games. And I think it's going to be really fascinating, fascinating. And I think and I fear... Well, not fear is the wrong word, but like a lot of these games are doing things on the fly so much. And to your point, there's not a lot of literature, not a lot of like good tokenomics models that are out there. People are making it up as they go along. And the more evidence you see out there on what to do and what not to do, you're going to be able to more likely create a more sustainable and better tokenomics model around the game, like further down the line, if that makes sense. So what I'm saying isn't, the games right now aren't going to make it it's that the further along you are in in that kind of life cycle the more likely you are going to make it because you can just learn from other people's mistakes and at the end of the day this is such a new realm it's a blank canvas and very difficult to kind of say what's right or wrong at the moment no comments apparently uh right we'll move on to our next thing i can see corwin chuckling along in the background next thing we want to talk about corwin was invisible friends crazy i think this the is the most I think hype drop ever 
Possibly. I don't think I've ever seen a project where all 5,000 minters agreed to not sell under like 10 ETH, like pre-reveal. That was just insane. Like, how do you get that many people to just be like, okay, we're not selling under this. You would expect at least one person to list it for like three ETH. Like, oh, I'm making like a $6,000 profit, but no, $30,000 profits for everyone. Uh, the price has definitely gone down now. I think it's sitting around six ETH, but it was just insane to see the floor hold that high and have so much volume. I think they hit 10K volume within the first like couple of days. Insane. So how much do you think that is a... Because I'm not, obviously I didn't get whitelisted, um, but you had to have a bunch of points which you got by owning other random character collection projects. So I think, wasn't that combined, like if you wanted three points or something, wasn't weren't you already in like five or six ETH into the, the various projects? To my understanding, I thought it was like three ETH, but you could be right on that. I mean, certainly after people caught on, if you're early and you game that point system, you probably bought some stuff off the floor for cheap, but I'm sure the, I think the prices of those things skyrocketed as you, it got closer to like, oh yeah, I need an extra point because like two points isn't going to be enough. I need three or four or whatever. I, I think it was just crazy. And the thing is the team behind it are already working on their next project. Am I right in thinking that? I just think it's like, at what point, and I think we talked about this about hate beasts in the past, right? Like, at what point, ETH wise or floor wise, does it get to a point where it's literally impossible for a founding team to essentially live up to the expectations and the hype that they've created? And it's not all their fault, I guess. You know, they've definitely done some things in a, in certain ways to to hype it up. For but like, it's yeah it's uh it's just very very crazy to see um you know them being verified on twitter half a million followers like it, all of this is just crazy to imagine even like six to 12 months ago they're part of random characters they are making i think they're kind of making a play to be like the next artifact to some exp to some extent um, in the sense that they're going to have like a universe of nft projects and drops and again they're not going to be exactly like that they're taking this much more cartoony art approach but i just yeah i think it's going to be very interesting to see where they go like i'm i'm genuinely fascinated because like what can these projects big projects do to really live up to the expectation that's been placed upon them because now you've got half a million followers you know verified on twitter to avoid scams like verified on OpenSea at the drop of a hat and you're doing crazy volumes at crazy prices like what what are they going to do to actually like you know make this dream become a reality so to speak difficult to think like how do you sustain how do you s sustain such a high eth value like who's going to continue buying at eighteen thousand dollars? i mean there's projects that do that currently but i feel like there's a lot of drawbacks too to being a video form or gif form i don't know if they're a gif or a video but like you can't have a hexagon profile picture you I guess you could display it on the wall too if it's not moving, unless you have like a moving picture frame. There's like a lot of it because it's not like a typical profile pick collection either. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see where they go with this collection. But I, I think the art personally, like, like the art and like the animation, it looks really cool. Um, but I don't know how long it could sustain for either. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see what some of these. I mean. I don't, I'm not sure if we can call it blue chip yet, but definitely the ones that have like these six, seven, eight ETH floor prices, 
are they going to be here in five years or are the are the creators going to like the team's going to stick around for the three four or five years because that's a really crazy commitment that's like some of these start as side projects not necessarily like full-time gigs but put the effort you need to justify like the millions and millions of dollars put being invested in these teams, they become like little startups. So it's like, yeah, you six years, seven years, that's kind of the time horizon that people might expect uh, the founders to work on it. And are the founders willing to stay on board that long? It's, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's something maybe you don't even fathom when you first start a fun little NFT project, but then it blows up and you're like, Oh wait, we've got a couple million dollars sitting in the bank and like millions of people watching us. What do we do now? So I was just minting something on the fly. You're going to make it good, good, good one, Pat. Good one. Which, which brings up something. So I didn't have this as a topic, but maybe, um, have you guys seen the interfaces article that just came out? I think yesterday, maybe Saturday. Are we going to make it interfaces? Yeah. So along the same lines of like, you have these hype projects that have huge followings and the pressure is immense. This is a team that decided before they actually did their their mint that yeah the hype is too much the pressure is is too much this was a passion project now it's morphed into something else and we don't we want to step away from that so they've essentially closed down the project so what do you guys think about a team coming out and actually saying that before because I mean if they'd gone through with it it may the founders may not have stuck around or they may have been bur- so burnt out that uh, it ended up being like a slow rug or something like that. Look, like I think, and I've heard this from a lot of people that many, many big, like fat, big project founders are that they're under the cosh, so to speak, and they are like really struggling from a, they're really struggling from like a mental perspective. Like, remember, this is a high stress industry, lots of burnout, um, and things move really quickly. And I think the, I think as long as you do it in like a amicable way you make everyone that's worked on it whole and make all the minters or collectors or or people that have already bought in whole i don't think it's the worst thing in the world and i think the the short-term pain is a lot better than the long-term pain which would be you know an eventual rug we've heard like rumors of you know project founders being in hospital and not telling anyone because they were too scared of what would happen to the floor price and that kind of thing is just isn't healthy for anyone right right and uh there's there's a lot of I would I would argue to say that there's a lot of mental health uh, issues in NFTs in general. Also on the consumer side, people not sleeping, being in Discord twenty four seven. It's it's really a crazy space where if you miss a day, you feel like you've missed on so much. So yeah, it's really encouraging some interesting, not healthy behaviors. And then also on the the, the founder sides as well. It's um, I think overall it's it's good. I mean, it's obviously great that they recognize that and could pull the plug before it became something that is like like a slow rug or something or just they didn't want to be in the project anymore it does suck that i know there's a lot of grinding to get into some of those lists so i could see a lot of people feeling put out because there's no way to make them whole because they spent 40 hours in discord grinding levels and now they're like well like i don't get anything for that but also that's maybe a little bit of entitlement so yeah it's a it's a very interesting space it'll be interesting to see if more projects with height like more teams with hype projects come out and maybe you're like, Hey, maybe we should pump the brakes a little bit. Um, I think this is a positive example, but yeah, it's, it's really interesting for people who had maybe whitelist or grind grinded on discord for a really long time for it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, yeah, I think that whole kind of like grinding discord culture is, is really, 
like has to fuck off at some point right <laughs> like at some point and i think one that i'm kind of interested in and i'll do a little plug here is cyber brokers by josie bellini she's basically refused to do that kind of thing at all like she said that the people that are gonna get access list spots to this project are going to be people that have signed up to her Substack b- between now and between a certain date and a certain date people that have followed her on twitter between a certain date and a certain date and then people that already have her art so i think start we'll see more and more stuff like that i really don't see the at this point in the market like i really don't see the upside if you're a project founder of like getting people to just spam messages in the discord just so they get an access list spot that they're hoping to flip anyway like you want people that are going to be there for the journey long term right and i think that's the the whole thing that you want to build if you're like a a a team even if you don't mint out i think it's worth doing something more along those lines but yeah that's just my take anyway we've got some pretty interesting approaches coming up mendel did something interesting where it was closed and you could only invite your friends in loveless is a neck a drop that's coming up in a couple days where the discord is closed and i think there's only a few thousand people but von doom's been very vocal about his dislike for discord grinding and how they're trying to fix that so i think they're gonna end up dropping an nft discord pass and keep the discord open but you can only get that pass by either being invited or so basically let's encourage organic growth come in join the community and hang out if you want but you don't have to grind levels to to be involved you guys keep bringing up grinding discords. Where do we go like in the future? Is Discord going to stay the main thing for the next couple of years? Or do you guys see us moving over to a new platform? I just, every day, it seems like it's just the norm that a Discord's getting hacked at least twice or three times a day I see on Twitter. So I'm curious, like, do you guys think there's some new platform emerging. I haven't, I've, I think I've heard of one, but I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. No takes. Okay, cool. Well, for, <laughs> Sorry, for no, my, no, I did have my, a take. I was just... Go ahead, Pat. Are you both minting it at the same time or what? Pat's checking the floor. <laughs> no, no, I accidentally minted six of something instead of three. Uh, and it's because I did a double transaction and I didn't see the, the MetaMask notification come up because I was looking at you guys stupidly rather than concentrating on mint. So yeah. I've I've just minted six of something. Someone someone did that with Gem today, where they uh, were doing something in Shadow Quest, and they're like, "Oh, I bought five warriors off the floor." It's like, "Oh wait, I bought 10. <laughs> well, it's I think it's a decent investment, but maybe a little more than you wanted to make. Yeah, um, shout out to Mac from the Shiny Discord. His project called Commasaur, which are like dinosaurs. That was what I just accidentally minted six of. So yeah, you know, there we go, Mac. More money from Pet taken for dinosaur eggs which i think uh, are pretty cool i like the vibe i like the art and kind of want to you know always want to support people in kind of shiny floor etc as a wise man once said aka curtis long anything that comes out of shiny or floor so there we have it <laughs> so back onto uh corin's question about discord it's so crazy there's so much inertia like what what are we going to move to definitely can't do slack because slack is very pricing is so hostile to open communities i think i think metalink is one solution that's being worked on by uh someone in shiny there's probably a couple others that are trying to do the same thing but it's yeah it's it's going to be really tough uh, especially doing migrations like if if there is something that comes out 
do I really want Slack and Discord and like whatever the next thing, like that's another chat app to spin up. So yeah, it'll be, be interesting to see if something can actually come in and take the throne there. I think it's going to be a combination of things. Like I think it's going to be, I don't know if it's going to be like one platform. I think there's a lot that needs replacing, right? I think there needs to be a way that like a founding team can build a community, have like, have the ability to like mint through it. I know, again, a lot of what we're saying is like a lot of floor plans, which is, you know, cheeky plug again. But there needs to be something a bit more all-encompassing that provides a lot of these teams with a lot more support. I don't know what it is or how it looks, what it looks like. But again, Discord was built for gaming. They've kind of come out and distanced themselves from NFTs to some extent and, and crypto more generally. So we don't know if that will change. If that changes, then that maybe changes the, the game a little bit because maybe they do a little bit something to to kind of help a lot of these NFT projects because a lot of their bandwidth is being used by them. And therefore, I think they should. But you never know, right? Let's see what happens. The thing that I wanted to talk about was KPMG, which if you don't know, is like one of the big, big accountancy and, and consultancy firms in, in the world have bought, or their, their Canadian branch anyway, has brought a World of Women NFT for 25 ETH, which um, I saw and I was like, what the fuck's going on here? And uh, I wanted to get your take. Like, do all brands need to be involved in NFTs, but also KPMG specifically, like what the hell are they going to do in this space? I can see kind of them maybe, you know, doing some kind of PRE, feel good, raise money type thing through World of Women, through a load of other NFT projects that have like, really strong values and, and, and really good stories behind them. But apart from that, like I'm kind of interested to see what they actually do in this space and, and what where these ex- types of experiments lead, I guess. Interesting that you say like for good PR, because I've been seeing like all these companies who are getting into NFTs getting bad press, being like, oh, you're destroying the environment, all the things you hear about NFTs. So I don't, I can't, I don't really see the play here. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know what intern had like, is in charge of their treasury, but like, <laughs> I mean, I guess it's working. Yeah, it's interesting. I think they previously invested in some ETH and Bitcoin, which I guess they're just like, is this just like a, an alternative to throwing it in the money market? Is this just an investment for them? Um, signaling in some way? It's it's very interesting because I mean, there's there's two sides of it. There's, there's some companies getting into it and launching NFT brands or trying to do partnerships. And then there's KPMG, which is just buying and investing in different projects so there's there's two kind of sides there but yeah it's interesting that this has risen to like nfts have risen to the level of like a corporate investment where people have signed off and said yeah okay let's buy tens of thousands of dollars worth of a a jpeg i'd love to know the inner workings on the custodial side like who's got the private keys like is it in a gnosis safe is it on a hardware wallet all those things fascinate me i'm sure there's like not one best solution, but you know, you wouldn't want to be the the finance director that loses the the keys to a twenty five ETH, fifty thousand pounds, almost seventy five thousand dollars type asset. So uh, yeah, that would be pretty frightening. How would you how would you keep hold of it, Corwin? If you were KPMG, if you were like their their, their CFO, to be honest, seventy five k is probably nothing to them, Pet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They've got it in a hot wallet and like all the interns have access to it, right? They all, yeah, it's literally every, every intern has a MetaMask on their, on their MacBook and it's, uh, and it's all the same wallet. But I think, doesn't Ledger have like one of those like capsule things? I don't know how it works, but it's like a little like, uh, it's like, 
like a cylinder like this big. I don't I don't know how it works, but um, okay. Are you both really minting during this podcast right now? <laughs> well, I, I got one before, and then Alex Alex Ohanian just tweeted out, so I'm like, oh, I better go grab two more to do my shiny rule of three before it mints out because. It's, by the end of this, Corwin's going to mid life five. <laughs> um, you guys are going to follow me. Can right I just now. say? So here, go ahead, Pat. Go on. Sorry, you, you go. No, no, you go. No, 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 go, go, go. You can tell Curtis is Canadian. Go. No, you go. No, you go, Curtis. No, no. I was just going to say. Did you guys see the thing? The was it Ledger posted about NFTs? They tweeted like, so you've decided to use Ledger Live to manage and secure NFTs. You've made the right decision watching this video to help you start it on your NFT journey with Ledger. So I think just on that point, like NFT custody is really interesting. And I think for this thing to go mainstream, that kind of technical barrier like has to really, really, really be minimized and the friction has to be taken out of it. And yeah, Corwin's just put in our chat that it's 45 minutes already. I don't know what the fuck we've talked about for the last 45 minutes, but it started with some random bullshit and then it ended up with me and Curtis basically minting out the whole of Commissor. To be honest, you you guys have just been minting the last 45 minutes. <laughs> oh, Curtis God. has that creeps money. I need to, I need to get on that creeps money. <laughs> okay, so here's one thing that, that creeps taught me that I'll carry this lesson, even into Shadow Quest as excited as I am, I did not sell any of my creeps at the height of 60 cent Lumi, which in retrospect is a huge mistake because I would have been so much happier. I've talked about the shiny house money stuff. So I'm still happy because I covered my investment then some, but that floor was 10 ETH at the time. I, I'm bullish that they will get back there eventually, but man, I should have sold one or two at the height there because, uh, and so if Shadow Quest pops to 10, which I think it could do, I'm I'm not going to just hold it until it drops back down. So uh, that's one good lesson. I kind of feel it's funny. Like, I'm going to sell mine to Corwin. I, I kind of feel it's funny. Like Curtis has to watch his words every time he talks about creeps. He's like, like, like everyone is <laughs> like a huge following of creeps fans. So like he has to be very, very careful what he says. It's like that. Uh, I can't remember the name of the, There's some guy like the way he talks, like people like take apart all his words and the market moves based on his words. And I feel like that's Curtis. <laughs> In creeps or in something else? No, in like stock market stuff like that. Financials. That is a weird power to and have. And this is a, a really good time to remind you that none of what we say is financial advice in any way. And this is just great advice. On that note, in probably what must be the most disjointed episode of the podcast so far. Hey, are you freaking out right now? Because you, you double minted on accident. Are you trying to like sell back right now? No, no, no. I'm all... No, no, I'm not selling. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm definitely in the, in the long haul for this one. As I said, long anything in 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 creeps and floor is my personal strategy when it comes to NFTs. Like I, I can't grind discords. I don't have the time. Like I don't have the time to research too many. Like there are a few that I have like high conviction on, and a few that I buy on the goodwill of like knowing that the teams behind them are strong. So no, me and my what's it seven commissars now and. <laughs> They're not going to be leaving my wallet anytime soon. Um, I look forward to them minting out real soon. All right, someone share the link with me. Hold on, I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to share it with you right now. I'm literally minting right now. I hate, I hate you guys so much. When when you followed our advice in the past, it's worked out very well for you. Like you you did feathers. That is true, you, uh... except for when Curtis told me to get Super C so that I can start sniping off the floor, and then Super C ended up not working with with the crazy IDs that Shadow Quest had. <laughs> 
See, the problem the problem with Super C now is that almost everyone in Shiny has Super C. And so it's a bloodbath. You're just sniping off each other. So what you have to do is get into projects outside of the sphere of influence of Shiny so you can actually have a chance at sniping things. Because otherwise everyone's got listing notifiers and auto buy up. And it's just, it's basically whose internet connection is faster at that point. And where's the Super C servers hosted? It's, um, oh man. Right, okay. We're going to call it at that point because I think this is this is descending into madness. And obviously Corwin's got to go mint as many diners as he can. Curtis, you minted more? Oh my god, Curtis. <laughs> Curtis! <laughs> this was okay. So during during the reveal, Curtis like DM'd me on uh on Discord and he's like, should I buy this Samsar for 1.9? It was like one of the first on the market. And I'm like, Curtis, there's gonna be a thousand of these, and there's only a hundred revealed. It the price is gonna come down. <laughs> Curtis, I you need someone to watch over your, your wallet, man. I need an adult, yeah. Hey, you did save me though, because you, do, uh, you know NFT adults as a service. Because they, they did come down to it, they're hovering around one now, which is good. But Corwin actually sniped a bunch on reveal, which was very cool to see. All in a day's work, Curtis. All in a day's work. You guys have been super degening. Fair play, I love it. <laughs> what do you want? What What have I done wrong this time? I don't know why, but like every time you're minting your internet, it seems to like lag out for like half a second and your face just like freezes. <laughs> I'm not minting. I'm not minting. When you were earlier. It's it's because, oh man. Yeah, look, it was using up all my bandwidth. Fair play. It was worth it though. Remember, double minted. So yeah. Anyway, look, Corwin, where can people find out more about you? You guys can find me on Twitter at 0xCorwin. And also you can find me in the floor Discord. I pretty much live there. And Curtis? Can we just like take the snippet of what I say every week and just put it? At the end, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you, don't worry. Some some good post-production is going to sort that out. Curtis? Usually Pat tees it up. But we're just falling I off. I did, uh... but Corwin rudely, rudely interrupted me. You rudely interrupted minting during my... Curtis J. Cummings on Twitter and in Discord, hanging out in Shiny, uh, Floor, and Sunday Drip, almost exclusively, and now Shadow Quest. Awesome. You can find me at Pet Barisha. By the way, the Shadow Quest Discord's like Twitch chat. Oh, really? Is it that crazy? Yeah, it is pretty crazy. And you can find me at Pet Barisha, P-E-T-B-E-R-I-S-H-A, and you can find us at The Floorcast on Twitter. You can find me on Discord, in Floor Shiny, and a couple other places. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. Sorry if this was all over the place. Um, we had no plan. And I think it's actually probably the best episode yet, which uh, Chris will be gutted about. But yeah, I'll definitely be calling it Double Minting on air or something like that. Anyway, thank you so much everyone for listening. We'll have more Floorcast for you next week.